Welcome to the third episode of Vista Mall 2019 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Harmstone, and joining me as always is the Canadian who has never knowingly stolen a pair of jeans, Logan Saunders. Morning. Morning, evening, whatever morning. time it is. <laughs> given it's pretty much borderline for me at the moment. <laughs> yeah, just give or take a few minutes. <laughs> I know this is an off-podcast thing, but Logan fell asleep and has annoyed me. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Logan knows when he's annoyed because I'm very blunt with him. He just gets chats off me going, how long? Yeah, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no pa- passivity about it. No pleasantries, it's just, hurry <laughs> up, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> and how has your last week in Japan been? Oh, I am more exhausted, I think, than I have anticipated. Too many trains throughout the country, especially trying to get in and out of Tokyo each day. Yesterday was a nightmare. I actually ended up being late for work because of it. Not just late for this podcast, I was actually late for my tutoring. But luckily I didn't have any students scheduled by message. I'm saying, yeah, I kind of messed up which trains to take to get back to my Airbnb. So I'm going to be like half an hour late. So after a day where you were late for work, you then didn't set any alarms this morning? I set, I set a alarm. I just didn't set alarms. I set a alarm, woke up briefly, and fell back asleep, thinking, okay, a couple minutes and then I'll watch me use them all. Nope. Tell you what will make life easier. Next week, how about we do it in your evening? <laughs> that may actually be a better idea. <laughs> and the thing on top of that is the next place I stay in, I'm only there for like a couple of days or a few days, so if there's anyone like adjacent rooms with really thin walls... I, they're only going to be upset with me for like one day, and then they never have to see me again. <laughs> Logan Saunders pissing people off from around the world. Yeah. Global piss off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what have you actually been up to, other than forgetting or getting the wrong trains in and out of Tokyo? Uh, Pokemon Cafe, did the Imperial Palace yesterday, had a very brief stop at the Tokyo Dome, went through the Baseball Museum, um... Uh, the Shibuya Crossing, hung around Shinjuku, went to the Nintendo bar, went to the 8-Bit Cafe, but it was terrible, so I left within a few minutes. And I've been, yeah, it's either been tutoring or just trying to get in and out of Tokyo. Um, talked to my family for the first time in over three weeks yesterday. Um, yeah, so a lot going on. And you didn't get on Amazing Race Canada again. Yeah, they just announced that applications closed for it, and I don't. I didn't get a call back. I'm pretty much certain Wayne didn't get a call back, and uh, Kurt didn't either. He hasn't. Yeah, they haven't said a word to me. But maybe that's one to secrecy. It hasn't stopped them from saying if they made it or not in the past. Saying nope, no, not even they. They told or uh, they were saying yeah, we got finals a couple years ago. Made it nowhere this time. Because what was it? Kurt got. Wayne got to finals the very first season or second season, and then him and Gore didn't make it on, and then they just haven't heard anything back since then. And then Kurt got to finals two or three years ago, and then they haven't. Him and Shelley haven't heard anything uh, since either. Oh yeah, because I that was the year they cast a bunch of all female teams. So yeah, not even Kurt nor Wayne have heard a single thing for years and years now. Another review. No, between all the shows I've applied for, I'm currently 0 for 13, with only like two stage 2 callbacks. I haven't even made it to stage 3 yet. I'm assuming you've not heard anything from Big Brother Canada either. No, and I'm pretty sure casting's got to be 
pretty much wrapped up for that, because that starts filming in March. Anyway, Vista them all. Yes. So, previously, Sinan got to lead the group, everyone tripped in a laser labyrinth, and we found out the cost of a yoker, and three people got yokers, but only Sinan opened his worthless one. And at the first execution, it was Evie who was the first to leave. And we're still in Medellin. And we're still with only one person executed, as we'll find out by the end of this episode. Yeah, it's making the suspect list interesting, this, because the more they front-load these executions, the harder the suspect list becomes. They should just have a series of non-eliminations, and then, like, the last three episodes are each double executions. Oh, don't even joke about it. (laughs) No one gets to figure out who the mole is this year. Congratulations. You're all screwed. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's the it's the exact everyone figured out Peter was the mole last year amongst the cont- last five contestants this year we're countering it by nobody figure, being able to pinpoint who it is you have to split ticket until the finale and then everyone gets it wrong someone wins by default yeah the mole is Hans <laughs> I was here the whole time you didn't even know it who do you think threw that pipe into the jungle I'm always literally underground because that's where Hans lives. <laughs> he survived off of a ration of MREs and crackers. And Evie left on day three, which means we start on day four. And Niels and Robert are roommates, and Robert says that if Niels is the mole, he'll eat Niels's guitar. In other words, Niels is the mole. Yeah. Hopefully it's spaghetti string guitar. And Sarah and Evelyn are roommates, and they decide on a loose bond. They're casually dating, because uh, the Netherlands is so uh, liberal. And then everyone is sent to Communitres, the final clue from the location hints. And in the first assignment, they have to borrow clothing from the locals of Communitres to make the Colombian flag on as many clotheslines as possible. And it's formed of yellow, blue, and red clothing, in that order. And Rick gives them all words to remember. Very easy words to remember. I'm not the... Most fluent speaker of Spanish, I can get by with, uh, like, slower conversation. But, uh, yeah, this was very, very basic Spanish. Like, probably stuff you learn within the first, I don't know, three or four lessons on Duolingo. Yeah, I mean, the hardest word in there was probably uh, toalla, or towel. Yeah, tuaja, tuaja. I think, I thought there was the J. I thought he pronounced the double L as a J there. No, he pronounced toalla. Because I, I wrote it down deliberately is the only pronunciation. Mm. So Jamie got Bandera Colombiana, Nikki got Azul, Sarah got Amarillo, and I'm pronouncing it the proper Spanish way rather than the Colombian Spanish, before you correct me. Sinan got Prestar, Meryl got Rojo, uh, Robert got Ropa, Evelyn got Devolve, Rick Fall got Toaya, and Niels got Gracias. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a tough one to remember. Grazie? Oh, damn it. That's Italian. They're not going to understand what I mean at all. <laughs> when they do stuff like this, the mole tends to get a, a hint word of some description, which is why I wrote them all down, because there's going to be a hint hidden in that list somewhere. I just don't know what it is. Imagine if that was one of the words somebody was given as a clue. And your word is mole. Or talpa. Yeah, it's talpa. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, or, like, that was... That, that makes it easy. <laughs> and we also find out that Jamie and Eveline speak Spanish. So, in order to stop them having a real easy time, Rick kidnaps them. 
it makes it makes sense. It's like, oh, we're all each learning like one word uh, in in Spanish, but we have two people who are fluent in it. Niels Gracias isn't going to have to uh, go too far, and they have to pick whether the others will fill not to five lines or six to nine in half an hour of begging, begging. And if yep. they are correct, they earn fifteen hundred euros for the pot. I'm sure they would have get correctly assumed that it was going to be six or more lines if they knew that Meryl was just going to steal everyone's clothes. <laughs> yeah, if they knew that Meryl was a thief, they probably would have guessed correctly. <laughs> By the way, uh, what's Spanish? What's the Spanish word for kleptomaniac? <laughs> <laughs> That's your word, Meryl. Kleptoma mujera. I think the uh, the Spanish word for kleptomaniac might have to be our episode title. <laughs> and this is quite the trilingual business because you get the the subtitles in Dutch while while uh, Rick uh, gives out the the Spanish words as they're speaking Spanish, and yet we're reading and thinking in English. And they struggle with the Colombian flag. Yeah, they don't seem to know how, what a pattern is. Yeah, yellow, blue, red. At least they didn't put in like purple or something. Like put in the the parrot from the flag of uh, Dominica. Let's be real though. That was a mole action. There was no other reason that they would have had them out of order. The mole was there, just kind of shifting stuff along and sneakily doing things. Surely. Between that and the pipe being thrown into the jungle, the mole didn't succeed with either super subtle sabotage this week. None of those affected anything. All they had to rely on was uh, Jamie and Evelyn not actually trusting their teammates. Do you think Jamie and Ev- Evelyn are ruled out as the mole then because they didn't put the clothes out of order? I certainly think it, it was someone on that side of the challenge rather than Jamie or Evelyn. Even though Evelyn did a lot of damage this week because first she said, oh no, no, they're not going to do six or more lines. And the next time she's like, well, I jinxed the last one, so I'm just going to go with majority. But it was like a five to four vote to determine whether or not they were going to do the pipes quick enough or not. So her vote was actually the deciding vote to go for longer. And they ended up doing it in a shorter amount of time, so she cost them another grand. So she sabotaged uh, two and a half thousand uh, euros this week, which is definitely the biggest sabotage, I think, for a single episode of any of the contestants so far this season. And we also find out that Sarah speaks Portuguese as she lived in Brazil for a while, and Rick Paul doesn't have a pair, so he just becomes Chief Hanger. Yeah, the Chief ex- or Executioner, the Executioner of uh, Colombian Clothes. This is one of those challenges that you can tell that they plan for either eight or nine people. But yeah, there was just someone left over. Do what you want. Or Sinan, uh, who just hung out on the stairs the whole time. You mean Chislet Khan? Didn't do anything. <laughs> no relation to Kublai Khan. I took great pleasure in doing that Photoshop last week. <laughs> oh, Sinan. Sinan didn't really move much at all between that task and then not really moving with the pipes to transport the steps. It's like he would have been in a position to do two of those subtle sabotages, but if he did those, that'd be even more classic Sinan because neither of them affected anything. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this pipe into the jungle, and they're still gonna finish within the 30 minute time limit. Oh, I'm gonna rearrange the the col- colors on this clothing line, but we're gonna rearrange it well within the time limit. <laughs> I'm the best mole ever. 
I've kind of come round on Sinan. I just want him to stick around for as long as possible, purely because I think we can just keep taking the mick out of him. <laughs> we can just constantly tease him, and I like that. Or the fact we had another Scully and Hitchcock moment as Sinan uh, and Robert get to play Jenga together. And then their game finished first. Wasn't Sinan like, nah, just take it. Just take that yoker. It's cursed. <laughs> Go ahead, Robert. Open up that yoker and see that there's nothing inside. There's nothing more interesting on TV than competitive Jenga. Yeah, it's just like darts. So yeah, Niels and Meryl, Robert and Sarah, and Nikki and Sinan pair up. And Robert and Sarah crash a kid's party. At which point Sarah steals the curtains. I hear that Robert actually just, when they cr- crashed the birthday party, that he stayed an extra few minutes to have some cake. Well, yeah, he's a baker. Yeah, he's like, oh, I gotta see, I gotta take in this Colombian cuisine in the favelas. You can have a whole episode of favela cuisine. And if I was on that production team, I would just... One of my one of my bucket list things, I don't know why I didn't do this in Medellin, is to like jump all all along the rooftops of favelas, like I'm in an action movie, like just to go from hop from one to the other. Just do a bit of uh, Jason Bourne stuff. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it looked looks. I mean, as as long as there's there was there's I, I've been to Medellin. I know there's an I've uh, I went into the gondola that hovered above the favelas of the city, and I know there's a really narrow gap between a lot of the houses, so. I, I think I can I can pull it off without doing any damage. And I'm right in thinking that Communitres used to be one of the most dangerous areas of the world, right? Medellin in general was. <laughs> they had an insane... It was just insane amount of murders during the 80s and early 90s, especially when uh, Pablo Escobar pretty much engaged with the Cali cartel. He killed, he killed a couple people he shouldn't have. And then there was just this whole all-out gang war, and there was, what was it, 70 murders per day for several months straight? Or just something, just some number that's insane. And a lot of them end up being civilians that were caught in the crossfire. Yeah, I seem to remember when Communitres was the final clue of where they were going. I seem to remember just having a quick Google of it. And apparently it was Colombia's most notorious neighbourhood. Yeah. And now you can just have random Dutch people stealing people's clothes... And feeling completely safe while doing so. Yeah, I've just quickly googled it again. One particular area of Medellin, an area called Comuna Tres, also known as the San Javier, has the most tumultuous history of the city, once labelled the most dangerous community due to its astronomical homicide rates and forced displacement of thousands of residents. Yeah, well that was, yeah, that was definitely during the Escobar era. It was a pivotal centre for paramilitary, guerrilla and gang activity. Its location is ideal for crime as it links least directly to the main highway for an easy transportation of guns, drugs, and money. Yep. And I, th- I don't think they've actually acknowledged this on the show yet, but I think they did a mural in Comuna Tres of the um, team photo from the first episode as well. Oh. Just in, I guess, even in one-hour episodes of, uh, of V is the Mole, there's still some scenes you have to cut out. And Meryl steals some jeans because she's a kleptomaniac. <laughs> Just next episode, after being in those uh, leggings or whatever, those clothes with the design on them, she just starts showing up in random jeans every episode. <laughs> it's the Vidim equivalent of Natalie Can I Have Your Jacket? <laughs> N- Natalia Can I... Uh, can I uh, Puedo... 
puedo hacer su, uh, su ropas. And it all gets a bit chaotic, and Rick Paul gets cranky, as the colour pattern has messed up. And after 30 minutes, all nine of the clotheslines were filled. But sadly, Jamie and Evelyn guessed wrong, so they earn nothing. But they made the most beautiful clothing line in all of uh, in all of Medellin. Yeah, that's the that's the real prize. Guys. It's the victory. <laughs> Who cares the fact that you've only got two thousand euros in the pot? You made a wonderful clothesline picture. Yeah, come on, guys. Money isn't everything on the mall. <laughs> Like, why, why, why? It's all about the experience. We should be playing for experiences instead of uh, euros in each challenge. The mole just gets to sabotage our experience by, I don't know, stealing other, stealing random civilians' clothes, or, uh, or, <laughs> or throwing pipes into the jungle. You know that kind of stuff. The usual. And on the bus from Camino Tres. Sarah suggests that they have a new treasurer, much to Nikki's irritation. And it turns out that Sarah becomes the new treasurer. Yeah, well, I guess Nikki they just didn't trust for whatever reason. Yeah. And also they do like to change around who the treasurer is, just in case the mole becomes the treasurer and the damage is limited then. Right. Because the mole can just take money out from the treasure, treasury envelope, I guess. Oh, the mole has done some very shady shit with the, with the treasury envelopes. So it's just another way for them to sabotage. That's like the... You, you could get away with not sabotaging a single challenge, but if you, like, just throw all the money into the river or something, then it's like, well, you kind of just sabotage ten challenges worth of work right there. Could you imagine if that happened in the second season of the U.S. Mulks? Didn't that pot get up to, like, $600,000 or something ridiculous? Imagine if it was, say, Bill had the briefcase with all $600,000 and just dumped it all in the river... And leaves Dorothy with, like, 20 grand or something. I think the mole is probably told that they can't just do that. Whereas some of the Dutch moles have done that, but not with the entire pot. Just, like, so, so they was, maybe they have, like, a set percentage. If they're treasure, like, you can sell, you can take out, say, 20%. That makes sense. Then it just makes it no fun for anybody, or no celebrities would ever want to do it. It's like, well, what if we pick the mole to be the treasure, then we end up with zero. <laughs> There's actually got to be some incentive to doing the show. Yeah. First of the celebrities. Civilians would probably just be like, oh. The experience. Experience, yes. So millennial. <laughs> and you just, you look in the background, you just see Sinan cackling, going, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this was my plan all along. I have burnt their socks. <laughs> yeah, I burned their socks. Oh, the socks end up with the treasure. So the second challenge takes place in Plaza Mayor a bamboo park in the middle of Medellin, and it's the most high-stakes game of Jenga that you've ever seen. For yokers. For yokers, yep. No money involved. Well, they could have lost two of that. They could have emptied the pot. <laughs> to begin with, Rick does give them a dilemma. He tells them to all Aww. decide who's going to get a, uh, a yoker. If they don't decide within two minutes, the pot gets emptied, and someone gets it anyway. And Neil suggests that only people who made money last time should get it, and he's democratically chosen to receive it, and the pot remains at 2,000 euros. Everyone else has to split into pairs, and the Jenga towers contain parts of yoker plaques. And if they can remove them before their tower falls, they can keep them. Whoever makes the towers fall loses any yoker tokens that they've earned, and any that their opponent has, they win. Up to three. 
The pairs are Jamie and Rick Paul, Nikki and Sarah, Robert and Sinan, and Meryl and Evelyn. And my first thought on this is, I mean, surely this is the challenge that Sinan should win, given he loves to wreck things. Yeah, just push over the tower right away, which he eventually does. But he's, but in classic Sinan fashion, I'm going to tip over the tower right when the other person gets the yoker and I have zero. Robert, you little bitch. <laughs> I don't know why we've suddenly turned Sinan into Russell Hans, but I like it. Because he keeps saying he's going to sabotage and be this completely, mis- make it miserable for everybody. And he's like, no, I'm going to let Robert have this yoker. <laughs> you can have it, my buddy. That yoker is cursed. I spat in it. If you open, if you use the chisel and open it up, it's just my spittle. You're either with me or you're against me, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> or with, or in the case of seeing that spittle, you're either in me or outside of me. Oh, I won't say that out of context. <laughs> and something I meant to mention last week, you know how the mole plaques reappeared in the um, laser labyrinth, the name plaques. Yes, I suspect that the moles is going to actually contain something, and that'll be part of the reveal. I reckon the final three plaques are going to get chiselled open, and one of them is going to contain. Some sign that they're the mole. Oh, yeah. Especially as this season seems to be the season of custom wood objects. Given that we've had the name plaques, we've had the yokers, and now we have custom Jenga pieces. All of which seem to actually have been created by the same wood shop. Yeah, you know, they were. They weren't getting much work before, but man, they really got a lot of money and uh, a lot of things to do in this uh, three week period. Nick Offerman is raking it in. And Jamie gets the first yoker, assuming that he doesn't knock over the tower. And Robert somehow gets the second. Sinan gets the token worth two, but it is worthless without his one. And then he just lets Robert win. He just wrecks it, as wreck it Sinan does. And Robert gets the first yoker of the game. And Sarah is the third to complete a yoker token. And despite being the Jenga queen, Nikki knocks it over, making... Sarah, the second guaranteed recipient. And Nikki looks heartbroken. Yeah. Because she's the Jenga queen. Now she's been demoted to the Jenga jester. It's the one challenge that she actually has a chance of winning Yoka in. And she manages to knock the stack over. Yeah. The only other challenge she can win is step on this short Colombian dude's toes. And then Jamie manages to knock his stack over, meaning that he loses his Yoka. And then Evelyn completes both her Yoka token and the two, meaning that Meryl losing would give her all three. And after a skeletal stack, Meryl does indeed knock it over, giving Evelyn three Yokas from Rick's magic Yoka box. You know what's funny is that they went to Plaza Mayor. There's so many things that they could probably do there, and I love that Jenga is the best they could come up with. How do I know you you would have been to Plaza Mayor? <laughs> Well, it's, it's one of the top attractions in Medellin. And yet they use it for children's games. Yeah. Although, to be fair, if they built a custom mole Jenga set, I would be all over that. Yeah, except the instructions would all be all in Dutch and we'd have to... It's Jenga. You don't need instructions. It's pull the bricks out, don't knock it over. What if I need a refresher on the precise rules? Google it. <laughs> And everyone gets to Lucky Dip from Rick's magical Yoka box. But Niels is given his straight up. And I was fully expecting Niels' one to contain something. It seems like an obvious trick for 
the one that Rick holds in his hand probably contains a black exemption. Yeah, then just it's just empty. Maybe that's Neil. That's what Neil's was thinking too. Like, oh, this one has to be special for some reason. It's different from the other twelve that were up for grabs. And that was definitely a challenge that was supposed to be designed for eight people. <laughs> oh, 100%. Four pairs. It's like, oh, we still have nine. Um, vote somebody to get a yoker or we take everything from the pot. <laughs> Niels, you you just sit this one out, whatever. Yeah, just here, take this empty yoker. It's worthless anyway if you open it up. <laughs> we didn't have time to put anything inside. You should have known better. Make a song about it. You're a long-lost yoker. You're the real yoker. And Neil says that he will only open his if um, he's completely alone, basically. Which is, you know, the right tactic. Especially if, as we suspect, the black exemption is going to be in one of those yokers. You don't want to let anyone know that you have one. Ever. (laughs) And Meryl tests Jamie to see if he will pass on the information that she is considering opening her yoker. But she opens it in front of him anyway, and it does contain the first exemption of the season. Which she plays. Which she does play, yeah. However, she uses the phrase, a green exemption. Meaning that they must have been told that black exemptions can be in there. Or maybe there's another coloured exemption, like yellow or red. I think we probably would have heard it if there was going to be another colour exemption. They made a big thing of black exemption getting introduced. And when was that introduced? Like, eight or nine? Fifteen? Oh, so... Okay. So recent. 14 it was, because it was in Hong Kong, they introduced it. Because it was a major thing. The episode they introduced it in had quite a fun quirk to the test, actually. They sat the test in a busy market in Hong Kong, and they went in individually, but Art started talking to them beforehand, and he basically said, you can go straight that way to go to the test. Or there are rewards hidden in this market, if you want to go find them. And they were all signposted and stuff, but then there was a black exemption in there for the taking. And they hadn't been told what a black exemption was until that point. Right. It only actually got explained once it got played. So that was fun. Yeah, fun introduction for it, but then you don't really get to have that same effect for the future. No, but then you never know where it's going to appear, because as I said last week, it appeared in the laser game a few years ago. We had it, had it hidden in uh, one of the grabby claw machines that no one noticed. It's been introduced as part of the morality tests. It's been introduced as part of the great tasks where you walk around a building and can only take the contents of one of the boxes. You never know where it's going to appear, or how it's going to appear, more importantly. You never know what you're going to get. And as we said, Neil secretly opens his yoker and it contains nothing. And for the final assignment of the episode, the candidates have to transfer a 3D puzzle through a maze of bars, using four of those bars to create a staircase to be able to grab the money. If they guess that they will complete it in less than 30 minutes, they can earn 2,500 euros. And if they guess they can complete it in less than 45 minutes, they can earn 1,500 euros. And they can only pick one. If they guess wrong, they win nothing. So does Rick... Paul really suck at math because they voted it was a 5 to 4 vote to do 45 minutes right? Yeah. And then Rick Paul said 80% of the group went with 45 minutes. I thought that. 80% of the group is impossible. There's 9 of them. Yeah exactly that's the thing that makes them extra dumb too. (laughs) It's like uh I believe it would be 55% Rick. <laughs> yeah, 
Give or take. I'd round it to 56, personally, but... <laughs> Unless two people flopped their vote when uh, I wasn't looking and Evie came back. <laughs> it's not a Ron situation. <laughs> and Sarah says that the mole would pick 30 minutes. And the people who pick 30 minutes are Rick, Paul, Nikki, Sinan, and Jamie. Which means that Robert, Merrill, Niels, Evelyn, and Sarah all pick 45. Yippers. But Meryl tries to get away with telling Rick 30 minutes anyway. Even though she picked 45. What the hell, Meryl? Yeah, if you just flopped your vote, you would have had your way. She had a really weird episode from being a kleptomaniac to lying. <laughs> and, and and it wasn't even good lying. It's like, just, just vote 30 minutes to begin with. Yeah. Then you, would, you wouldn't even have to be in that position of, oh, silly me. Oh, Who, guys, I forgot. Uh, I forgot I single-handedly decided we would do 45 minutes. I guess I'm going with the group, then, that I was a part of. <laughs> it's like she has a dual personality disorder. Maybe she voted for both. Maybe one person actually abstained from voting, and Meryl voted twice, both for 30 minutes and 45 minutes, and we just didn't notice. <laughs> maybe, like, CNN didn't even cast a vote. CNN was just looking around going, how can I wreck this? I would have smashed those bars. <laughs> How can I hit somebody with these pipes? But also, the 3D puzzle is another example of custom woodworking in this season. We never usually see that sort of a build. I guess maybe somebody has a woodworking background that we're just not uh, that we're just not aware of. And Sarah does take the lead on the puzzle, and Meryl helps, which Sarah likes as she can keep an eye on her. And Niels tries to stay out the way and gets rid of the pipes for everyone. And we see one fall in the grass. Now, do you think that that is too obvious? Yeah, I think so. So do I. But also, Niels is still my one suspect, so... Oh, you're still in tunnel, Lizzy. Yeah. I didn't see anything this episode to make me change that opinion. Right, no one stood out. And Rick Paul says that he's moved to Lost in Amsterdam. Before everyone realises that the fourth pipe is missing. And Robert goes a little bit crazy to try and work it out. Before Evelyn notices it in the grass. And let's be honest, they easily get the 1,500 euros, leading to a total, at the end of the episode, of 3,500 euros out of a possible 16,500. Not the strongest episode. No. But not the worst. It could have been a lot worse if they had emptied the pot. (laughs) The maximum amount this episode was 4,000 euros, and they got 1,500 of it. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty good for more standards. And it's now time for the test. And Rick's speech changes again to say that the game is over for whoever does worst. And each of them gets to go to the top of a building in Medellin to do their test. This is a cool visual. Yes. You know Colombia is one of the cheaper countries to go to when you can have a production budget that can put people on nine separate skyscrapers within Medellin and have a spotlight set up on top of each of them. Like, that's a pretty pricey thing to do. Yeah. Now, I saw a theory from Bindles, which I agree with, that Columbia was probably a backup location. You can usually tell the backup locations. Because the challenges tend to be a little bit less less in tune with the location. So, like, when with the, the Georgia season, a lot of those were fit, themed around Georgian culture. In three episodes, we've only really seen one Columbia theme challenge, maybe two if you include Camina Tres. There's only only been a handful of challenges so far where you can 100% say that they could have done that nowhere else in the world. 
That's true. They could have done that specific dancing challenge anywhere, really. Um, just the flag of the country isn't really too specific, because you can just do any flag once you get to the country. And they have done this before. I mean, we know for a fact that I think it was Sri Lanka was an alternate location for Russia. It was meant to be an entire season in Russia. How? That is quite the s- s- switch to flip. <laughs> Can't go to Russia. I guess we're going to Sri Lanka. So similar. 2015 was when um, the aeroplane got shot down. So they were going to go to Russia and do an entire season in Russia, but then changed it over to Sri Lanka. Yeah. I wonder if they'll eventually use all up all of their backup locations. I'm not sure. Um, so what Bindle said was, my gut feeling is we'll eventually find out Colombia is a last-minute backup location. So far this season has the same kind of feel as Iceland and Sri Lanka visits, both of which were backups. For Morocco because of the Arab Spring, making producers nervous, and Russia because of MH17, respectively. Like, there's things to like, but surely this isn't the best they, they could come up with. Yeah, Bendles is probably right. He usually is. So the, the 2012 season, which was Art's first one, was meant to be Morocco and Spain. It ended up being Iceland and Spain because of the Arab Spring. Mm, Iceland. I didn't even know you could do a full season of a TV show in Iceland. Well, no, they did about four or five episodes there. Or rather, half, or even half of half a season. Because that would have then made the transition a bit more logical, rather than having to fly them between Iceland and Spain. Yeah, Spain and yeah, Spain and Morocco are so close together. <laughs> well, they would have driven them. Yeah, you can just you can see you can see Morocco from uh, Malaga. Yeah, you can. I've been to both. That's right. And now time for some suspicions. So Rick Paul suspects Sinan weirdly. Uh, Neil suspects Evelyn as she shows the least emotion and Sinan as his backup. Nikki suspects Evelyn as her mother told her that her intuition is everything. Robert plays his Yoka and is on Meryl and Jamie. Meryl plays her exemption, at which point her floodlight changes immediately to green. Jamie is one of four people with no protection and gives us no information on who he suspects. Sarah was fully on Evie and is now on Evelyn and plays her Yoka. Evelyn is on Nikki, Rick, Paul, Jamie and Sinan and plays two of her three Yokas and Sinan doesn't tell us anything other than the fact that he wants to cut these little bitches. And Rick isn't at the execution and they type their own names into the computers. Yeah, that's how lazy he's gone. Like, oh, I'm so nervous. My fingers are so jittery. Guys, can you just type in your names yourselves? It's my first season. I'm wondering whether this is going to play into... A challenge at the start of next episode. It, uh, yeah, the person can't really be executed. There's no payoff to that. If it's just, oh, that person got executed. Now we move on. Oh no, I think I'm pretty sure we're going to get an execution of some description. Either, well, Robert or Nikki, as we'll get to in a minute. But but why leave it as a cliffhanger? I have a theory, and we'll get to that in a minute. But okay, okay. Sarah, Rick, Paul, Niels, Evelyn, Sinan, and Jamie all type their names in and get a green screen. And their spotlights do change colour when the screens are shown. And the episode ends with a red floodlight going up for someone, and either Robert or Nikki executed. Now, my theory. Going into this season, you would say, with a reasonable knowledge of Dutch culture, that there are only three people who are famous-ish in the cast. They would be Evie, Nikki and Robert, respectively. Because Dutch Bake Off's pretty damn popular, Nikki is pretty big on on YouTube, and Evie is, well, Evie's on Survivor. So, two of those three are getting executed first. Would you not want to try and keep their fans watching? 
for a little bit longer. Oh, just even if you have them, one of them for like half an episode or a yeah. fraction of an episode? Yeah, because now Nikki especially can go on social media and go tune in next week to find out whether I'm going. That's very, very, that's a very good point. And also, they could just do some sort of challenge where it's like, oh, you don't know which one of these two is executed. Try and go find them. Or guess who it's going to be. Yeah, a thousand. <laughs> you either guess correctly within 30 minutes or 45 minutes. <laughs> and and Meryl gets to vote eight times. So next time, everyone reacts to the execution. If we change locations, there is a balcony logic puzzle, plus or minus roots, and an invalid yoker is played. Invalid yoker? Yeah. Rick says at the end, I'm sorry, this yoker's invalid. Oh. Who pl- so... Evelyn played two of her yokers this round, right? Yep. And Meryl played her exemption? Yep. Those are, so we all, we've only got just the, few people just got the one yoker and that's it. Uh, Sarah played a yoker as well. Oh, Sarah did play a yoker. Okay, so Evelyn has one yoker. Niels opened up his. Is it just the one yoker by Evelyn then that's still in? Oh no, Robert. Did Robert play his? Yeah, Robert played one this week, one last week. So... Meryl, Robert, Sinan, and Evelyn last week all won a yoker. Meryl, Robert, Sinan, Evelyn. Robert played his, and Sinan opened his, which means that Evelyn has one, and Meryl has one, and then Evelyn has another. So Evelyn's got two, Meryl has one. Okay. And then potentially there's some more next week. Is that Meryl's second exemption? Or was she the only woman that didn't have an exemption the first round? Yeah, she was exempt. Yeah, just saw in my notes. So she's been exempt from uh, two out of of three executions. And there's a good chance she could have been executed the first time. So, first question. Who out of Robert or Nikki is getting executed this week? I think it's going to be Nikki. I think it is as well. I really hope it isn't. I I want Robert to go just because it'll annoy Sinan. Maybe the quiz was too short for her. Yeah. Just like the pipes. Why is everything always height-related for Nikki? Or her dancer. Or her dancer, yeah. It's always something new with length. I fear that Nikki's probably going, which is why they instituted the cliffhanger, because then she can tell all her fans to watch what's next week to see if I'm getting executed. But I'd like Robert to go just because his suspicions don't line up with mine. (laughs) Who did he suspect? He suspected Meryl and Jamie this week. Yeah, Meryl, yeah, I don't know what, Meryl's been so invisible, which is not a good thing when she steals things from you. Given that last week we pretty much narrowed it down to Meryl and Niels as the mole, if Robert goes, it's Niels, so I need to root for Robert to go. Yeah. We need that confirmation, you need that confirmation that Niels is the mole. Yeah. Next question, who's on your suspect list? Um, it hasn't really changed from last week at all, because the people who did suspicious things last week all did suspicious things this week. So is it still Robert, Sarah, Evelyn, Jamie? Um, yeah, because they were the ones in the position to do a lot of uh, damage again this week, because Evelyn could have potentially been the one that was responsible for screwing up the clothesline guess, plus the, the 3D puzzle guess, and then Jamie was with her for that, and then... Jamie could have been the one to throw the pipe into the other, randomly into the yard. Um, Sarah, what did Sarah do this week? Sarah, oh yeah, Sarah got a huge boost in airtime. That's what happened this week. 
Yeah, because I thought she was going to be executed just based on that. I'm like, oh, so we need to know that Sarah is in this cast. Why? Why is that? Because you do have to give them all some airtime. You can't make them all invisible. Another fun element of potentially Robert getting executed is the fact that he was number one on your suspect list. Which, as I said last week, if your number ones keep getting executed, I will laugh a lot. Yes, that's the thing too. He's 50-50. So if he gets executed, then it makes my job easier. (laughs) It's like, oh, I narrowed it down to three suspects. Thank you, Robert. Anyone else want to be executed this week? I think my top two probably are Niels and then Evelyn. Evelyn's kind of on my radar, because as you said, she did some shadier shit this week. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if she's drawn a ton of attention to herself within the cast. That's the thing. No. And it is a while since we've had an older Lady Mole. Mm -hmm. Which I know they don't really care about, but it's a while since we've had an older Lady Mole. I don't know why the phrase Lady Mole (laughs) makes me laugh. Uh, And the final question is, who's getting executed next week? Other than Robert or Nikki? Uh, Let's say, well, first let's say Nikki gets executed. And then, then it gets maybe Meryl, just because she's been relying on exemption so much. And there was ties for a reason. (laughs) And she still hasn't really been shown that much at all in all three episodes. Like she had the one conversation with, uh, with Jamie about opening up the ochre. And then she briefly stole the jeans. Do you remember any other scenes with her this week? No. Because everyone else had a presence. Every single person had multiple scenes, multiple confessionals. You always knew what they were thinking. Um, but yeah, Meryl's just like, oh yeah, should I open up this yoker, Jamie? Okay, I will. By the way, um, I voted for 45 minutes, but I'm going to try and switch it to 30 The one thing I will say about Robert going, potentially, is the fact that we have very fun motivation for him going and Niels being the mole, with his quote saying, if if it is Niels, I'll eat Niels' guitar. Well, it's a good thing they do a semi-reunion show get-together, like when they do that banquet at the end of the season, instead of just regular food laid out. Or usually they do food, what, model after the cuisine of the country that they are in for the season? like they did with Japan, where it was all sushi rolls for the contestants, what they should do is just have, uh, have like an edible like guitar-shaped cake, and Robert gets to eat it. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. They need to present him with a, a guitar-shaped cake if it is Niels. And it's, he has to eat it one string at a time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any of the quieter people, I think, are potentially in danger. We need to start getting rid of the people who... Who are potentially on our suspect list, just so we can clarify who is the mole now. Well, if I lose two number one suspects in a row, that clarifies it for me. Yeah, I guess. So, is there anything else to say? Um, just that, during that clothing challenge, that was one motherfucking line. (laughs) The only English word uttered by by, uh, Jamie during the whole episode. Yeah. What a note to end it on. Yeah. What a line to end it on. So thank you for listening to this Views to More podcast. You can join us next week for more mole hunting. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Real TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, our TV Warriors, our own Twitter pages, MJ Armstrong for me, and Logs of Quacky for Logan. Also, if you're watching Hunted UK, you can join me, Anthony, and Michelle for that every Sunday. And 
We will see you next week. Peace out and just chill till the next to flavoring. Yeah.